Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Welcome to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is your graduate student co-host, Brandon Saxton. And your professor co-host, Katie Gordon. I thought it was associate professor, Associate professor. I knew you were going to call me out one day. I'm going to report you to the board of professors, which I don't think is a real thing. Well, (laughs) I did misrepresent myself. I'm actually associate professor. Professor is another rank up. Thank you, Brandon, for pointing out that I haven't achieved that level yet. (laughs) Oh, no, I feel guilty. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing great because I am so excited. We have a special guest on. I love the work that he's doing in the intersection of mental health and Christian. Christianity and can't wait to talk to him about how that work has developed over time. How about you? Uh, I'm also equally excited for our guest whose name we don't need to keep secret anymore. Let's just introduce him. <laughs> it's none other than Robert Vohr. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm good. I'm your graduate student guest. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the graduate student guests on this show out uh, outnumbered the professor That's guests. It's usually yeah. the other direction for me. So I'll be grading both of you throughout oh, the episode. Oh, Nothing's changed then. Uh, do you prefer to go by Robert or Rob? I have not asked up to this point. Uh, yeah, just Robert is fine. Okay, that sounds good. I always like to check. Yeah. So uh, because I asked Katie, how are you doing today, Robert? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I love the work that you guys do. So excited to connect in in this format as well. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll just give a little introduction, Robert, and then ask him to tell us more about himself. So Robert is a master's counseling student who's currently on the internship phase of of his education and getting close to graduation on that. He has been a really important voice in the area of mental health and Christianity, and it's it's much needed. I mean, he speaks out against stigma and misperceptions about mental health and has a podcast about it. There's a website about it. And the podcast, one thing I really enjoy about it is that there's just a diverse group of different guests that are on, on, on topics that are really relevant in current events. And so I think that's fantastic. So, Robert, how did you get into the area of mental health in the first place? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I want to say thank you, A, for having me, but, you know, the encouraging words there, you make me sound way more impressive than I, I really am. Um, oh, no, you're but... really good. We're going to actually, one thing I wanted to point out is um, I loved the Vox article that mm-hmm. featured you and some other people oh, and, yeah. and talked about the contributions that you're making to this important area. And we'll link to that in our show notes, because I really recommend to our listeners that you read about that to hear what Robert's doing. Yeah, it was a, a cool opportunity, but... Um, I guess to answer your question, I, you know, I grew up in the church going, it wasn't like the most important thing, uh, but we went weekly and, um, you know, in kind of my adolescent years, uh, struggled a lot with depression. Uh, later on in kind of the college years, I would be diagnosed with ADHD as well. So I think that probably factored into it. Just, you know, this, this always this sense of, you know, not being good enough at school or, or whatever it was, but, you know, um, had, you know, moments of suicidality, of of considering that option and things. And so um, really was 
it, during that time involved in youth group and things like that. But I mean, mental health was never talked about. I don't remember a single time. And so my experience wasn't that it was, you know, necessarily said you couldn't talk about it, but just that you didn't, you know. And so um, I remember just, you know, kind of trying to fumble my way through all that, you know, in college, went to counseling for the first time uh, and, and found some good stuff there. And so after college, I, you know, uh, did was really interested in, in mental health advocacy and things like that, but also worked in college ministry for a couple of years uh, and then did some other stuff, but am now kind of back in college ministry. But again, found just that a lot of our students, when they were encountering mental health struggles or, you know, emotional pain or things like that, that we were the place they came first, you know, and there's some research that bears this out, that people, whether they are regular attenders of a, a church or a faith community or not, that that's really often one of the first places people go when they're encountering a crisis. And, you know, being on that side of it, I, I recognized that that would have been my response, you know, when I was younger, and that we didn't really have any good answers for that. And so, you know, just because I was the one that was pretty open about my own mental health and was interested in it and, you know, was reading about it and stuff, I was often the point of, of kind of contact for the people that I was working with and things to say, hey, you know, so-and-so came and said this, what should I do? And I didn't have a lot of those answers either. And so um, eventually, you know, entered this master's program, working on my, my master's in mental health counseling, which you mentioned there. I'm, you know, a couple months away from being done with. And, you know, with that information, I think comes kind of this mission for me of how do we help the people that people are turning to, right? Because we, we could talk all day about the, the barriers and the stigmas and the financial problems and, you know, with people turning to mental health professionals. But how do we help people that they are going to know what to do, what to say, how to navigate that, and then where to refer them to if need be, you know? So just to help people who are in those positions, uh, in faith communities, in uh, ministries and churches, how to help them know better how to engage with mental health. I think that's great. And so have you done, do you go, do you do specific trainings to that effect within spiritual places and worship? And also I should ask, is it mainly focused on Christianity or has it expanded to other types of religions as well? Yeah, I mean, most of my work focuses around Christianity just because those are the ministries and churches that I'm most familiar with and that, that I'm involved in. You know, I've worked at ministries and things like that, all of which were Christian ministries. And so um, I think in a larger scope, I would love for this kind of movement of how do we help faith communities be better at this. I would love for it to expand to other ones. And I know there are people doing that. Um, you know, I don't want to feel like a fraud and, and I guess try to speak into something that I don't know enough about. And so right now, mostly I focus on kind of Christian places of worship ministries or um, churches and things like that, just because I, I know how to speak into that. I can talk about my experiences there and things like that. But um, you know, I, I've done some uh, suicide prevention trainings. I'm certified through the QPR Institute, um, so I've done that a couple places. When people ask, I go, you know, talk to groups of youth pastors about mental health and answer questions and things. I would love to expand some more into that. Um, right now, you know, as as I'm sure you guys know, kind of balancing work and grad school and you know all the other personal family things. Um, kind of balancing all that. There's only so much traveling and talking necessarily that I can do. So, um, but that's that's kind of where the podcast stemmed from. Was thinking, how can I 
involve people smarter than me and just create conver- create spaces for conversations that people can listen to, you know, not necessarily one time only, but over time if somebody wants to know, hey, I would love to hear from a mental health expert on how I can be better at, at engaging with people who are grieving in my church, in my ministry. You know, there's an episode w- about that, you know, and things like that. So that's why we try to make it pretty diverse, cover different topics, uh, just that way that if somebody says, hey, I want to know how to be better at talking about this thing, you know, they have they have somewhere to learn about that. Robert, I have a story about your podcast that I've been wanting to tell you, and I'm going to have <laughs> okay. a question about podcasting, okay? Okay, great. Uh, so my significant other, uh, through through our relationship, we've been dating for about a year and a half now, she's gotten a lot more interested in mental health and podcasting. So something kind of cool that happened to us was that she came to me and said, oh, I found this awesome new podcast. Uh, this guy named Robert Vore, he's absolutely so great to listen to. Uh, <laughs> I love his show. And then I said... Oh, I know Robert Moore. I, we're, yeah. He's going to be on our show. We're doing some crossover episodes with him. And, uh, she was very starstruck by that. So you, you have a, a very, uh, a, a good fan here in, uh, in North Dakota with her and with us as well. Um, oh, well, so hey, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So she wanted me to tell you hello. So I'm doing that. Yeah. Well, uh, hello back. <laughs> and then, uh, beyond that, what I'm curious about is, how did you end up choosing podcasting as kind of the vehicle to do this? So I, I know you, you, are a contributing author, you've done some writing, you've got your website, you've got your talks, and your Twitter page, which I absolutely recommend everyone follow you on Twitter. I love the interaction you have on Twitter. But what led you to podcasting as kind of, I don't know if it's right to say this, but maybe like the primary vehicle um, for distributing yeah. or disseminating this information? Yeah, a couple summers ago, I was one of a couple people who hosted a, a weekly Twitter chat where you just you know have a, a common hashtag and then somebody lobs out questions throughout an hour and everybody kind of responds to it and each other and that was really um it was really great we saw a lot of interaction from people that we knew and people that we didn't and people who kind of just stumbled upon it and towards the end of the summer everyone in the group kind of thought hey i think maybe this should evolve into something you know we, we weren't willing to put in necessarily all the time and energy to make up a bunch of questions each week and things like that and so that kind of died off i guess uh, and mm-hmm. so I thought, I guess moving forward, because my my goal was always, how can I create space for conversations? You know, I don't want necessarily for it to sound like I'm the one who has all the answers in either the mental health or the faith areas. I don't think that that's true <laughs> and even close to true. Uh, but so how can we create spaces for conversations for people to tell their stories and, you know, learn from other people and And so the more that I thought about it, you know, I was a big fan of podcasts. At the time, I was driving uh, about an hour to and from work where I was working, a little little longer to get home here in Atlanta traffic. But, you know, I was a big fan of podcasts, and I thought, you know, it would be cool is if that could be the the space, and we could just invite people in, and we could invite people who were, you know – not bigger names, but who knew more about specific areas. So somebody who uh-huh. is, you know, a, who does a lot of counseling with eating disorders. If you come to me and ask me a question about eating disorders, I'm going to give you the base minimum knowledge because that's not, I don't, I don't work with that population a lot. So, you know, things like that. How could we invite other people in? And then the original idea was to pair every episode, a, a faith professional or a faith leader, you know, with a mental health professional, both who worked in similar areas. So, you know, a youth pastor with somebody who counsels adolescents a lot um, and, and have them kind of have a conversation around some things. And um, some of them that worked out really well, if you scroll back through the episodes, you'll see some of them 
uh, kind of just do one or the other. Just it, the timing of that isn't as realistic as I had hoped it would be, you know, trying to get all those people timed correctly, you know, find time and schedules. So, um, but mm-hmm. I think it's still pretty beneficial. Um, I try to, you know, so in the ones that the the per the guest is more mental health focused, I try to incorporate some faith stuff and vice versa. So um, it seemed like a natural extension of that of how can we just have conversation and and invite people in and and invite people for other people to listen to and and things like that. What I really like about kind of what I've heard you talking about with your podcast and also with your speaking is it's a lot of connecting people with the relevant professional or the relevant expert. And Katie and I just recently did a podcast episode and gave a talk about the same thing for college instructors. How can you connect with students and then connect them with the appropriate professional or expert depending on what they're experiencing? So I really like that model that you're adopting from the same thing from a faith perspective, though. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the the fact is that there's mental health professionals all over the country. There's, you know, maybe not enough. We would like some more, but they are all over the place. And so if somebody's listening in California, you know, there's people nearby there that they can reach out to, that they can hear from, learn from, that they could bring in to talk to their church or whatever. You know, I'm, I don't have to be the person to go out there and do that. Mm-hmm. And so it makes more sense to connect with people who already know a bunch about whatever the, the thing is that you want to learn about, or that's closer to you. You know, I don't think it's realistic to say I should be the one, or even I don't think it's, you know, I don't think I should be the one to talk about everything all the time. That's not, you know, the goal at all. So. Yeah. Two of the, I, I think, you know, that makes total sense. And two of the themes that I think make your message, especially compelling is that you have a lot of humility. You are, clear about the things that you know about but also interested in making this a group effort rather than saying like I'm the one who's going to be the expert on this topic and I think that that makes it less intimidating to talk to because they feel like you're really your your interest is in the the greater good over it focusing on you and also your authenticity I mean I think that your disclosure and openness about your own experiences is so important because in at least in my experience what rings true is the idea that sometimes um there can be shame associated with mental health if mm. you're in a church or some other kind of spiritual practice and the message is either that you shouldn't talk about it or that the cause of that is because of something you're doing wrong spiritually. And yeah. so I've liked that your message has also focused on, you know, we have certain ways and systems for when someone is undergoing medical procedures within the church. We pray for them. We have certain kinds of supports. And we kind of, that's a good model to parallel with mental health. And so I I think that that method to me is is really compelling, but I wondered what it's like for you if it's ever been hard being so open about your own experience or if there have been any negative consequences to that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think so. I think there's a natural kind of fear with the first time that you do that. You know, I know that some of the, the pieces that I've written that are way more personal and way more in depth, uh, I've, I've sat on kind of the longest. So, uh, in particular, there's there's one that I wrote about uh, why why nighttime is the hardest time for me, right? And it was at the time absolutely the most personal thing that I had written and the most, um, I guess, scary. And I I knew that that I needed to write it at the time and things, but I held on to it for probably a month and a half, thinking if I put this out there, what what am I going to hear from the people that I work with? 
uh, or from, you know, my family or my in-laws or my friends, you know, and um, I think by and large, it's been my experience, which I know this isn't everybody's, but I've gotten a lot of really encouraging, helpful feedback, you know, I think it outweighs the the negative effects. And part of that is based on what I do, you know, so I know if you work in just an office, I'm not saying, hey, quickly stand on your desk and say, you know, here's my diagnosis. Right. I, I know that there's a lot of factors. Right. Uh, there's things that I've chosen to share in particular venues, knowing kind of where that venue would, would reach that wouldn't reach other other places, you know, but I've been really fortunate that a lot of the times, mostly what I hear is, hey, like, thank you for saying that, or hey, thanks, you know, even just now you said, oh, my wife, or my significant other it was, is, thinks what you're doing is great, you know? I mean, that's really awesome. There, it easily could have been, hey, like, I listened to your show, and I think it's really weird, and, and you're, stop doing that, and you're not going to watch my kids anymore, and, you know, whatever it is, you know, I've, I've definitely heard people getting that type of response too, but I think for the most part, um, I've been really fortunate. I mean, anything negative that comes typically is from, you know, people I've never met online who have 10 followers or whatever, you know, and that's fine, whatever. Yeah. Like if you're not, if you're not getting some pushback, then you're probably not really doing anything. So I think that's fine. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that's good to hear. I think Brent and I have both talked about we're relatively reserved in, in that area. And so I think thinking about sharing more personal experiences, I tend to do that more on one-on-one -on -one conversations if yeah, a student yeah. is meeting with me or something like that. But it's so I read the article that you're talking about in terms of what nighttime mm -hmm. is like, and I thought it was really well done. I could certainly relate to it. And I think it's important for other mental health professionals too, and maybe people who aren't in in the field to also see that because you've had therapy and you have some skills and strategies, that doesn't mean that the struggles go away. I think that right. paints a more realistic picture. You learn some tools for how to manage them, but that, but they're still, they can still linger for people. And so I appreciated that. I think that that kind of thing, it is so relatable. And another thing that kind of comes up when I talk to students, for example, just because that's mainly um, who I work with these days in terms of being concerned about their mental health, one of the reasons they're reluctant to seek help is because they think they're odd or they think they're freaks or something like that. Right, and then right. they read something like what you wrote and they're like, oh, well, maybe I'm not the only one because here's this person who's accomplished and done these things and yeah. they're having the same kinds of struggles. So I really do think those that those kind of real connections are powerful in addition to the stuff that's more focused on talking about. I don't know, research and things like that. Yeah. So one thing I'm wondering, you've got your podcast. Are there any particular episodes uh, where you really felt like you learned a lot or that you think are particularly foundational or very important that you'd maybe like to highlight or recommend to people who might be new and maybe jumping into your podcast? Um, I think, I mean, I think the good thing about it, the, what I what I like about it is that it doesn't necessarily follow like a, a building structure. So if you scroll through sure. and there's one that's, that the topic looks interesting to you or you, maybe you've heard of the person, I'd say go for it. In terms of one, I like the ones where I sit back and, and, and learn a lot. And so, you know, I, I know we did one on race and faith and mental health and how the role that race plays in both of, you know, the faith arena and the mental health arena. And I think I said a grand total of like 11 words in that episode, which is perfect. You know, like I thought that was kind of the goal of that one was for, 
people that you know aren't the overwhelming majority of leaders in faith worlds and mental health worlds to kind of hear from people that aren't you know so i think the ones where i get to learn a lot are great um i mean i think most of them are great if you ask me privately i'll say maybe skip this one or this one you know i don't want to insult anyone but for the most part i mean i think you can scroll through and listen to any of them without listening to any of the other ones and if aside from maybe the intro banter back when i had a co-host you're not gonna you're not gonna miss out on anything um so yeah just just go for it if if there's one that, that seems interesting So next month, I'm giving a talk on science, religion, and mental health and where they intersect. And I was wondering if you had any tips on particular themes or ideas that I should make sure to include in that talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, A, after you give that talk, let me know if it's, you know, for if it's recorded anywhere because I'd love to listen to it. Oh, thank you. I guess the the biggest thing I would say is there's – it seems in kind of both those areas, there's like a weird assumption that they have to be kind of dichotomies, right? So you can either believe in science or faith or mental health or faith. And I think that's super reductionist. I don't think that's where like 90% of people fall. So, I mean, there's a lot of good work being done around science and faith, right? You've got uh, Science Mike, Mike McHarg, who works a lot in that area, kind of that intersection, kind of talking about some of those tensions. I think uh, the... The tension between faith and mental health makes sense kind of from a historical context uh, where, you know, you have kind of the first psychologists not being huge fans of faith and then, you know, all, all sorts of things like that kind of from both sides. But I think the encouraging thing for me is that a lot of the people that I interact with, and maybe it's just because those are the people I interact with, but um, most of the people that I talk to uh, are kind of don't fall on either of those those two sides. They say, hey, yeah, we know that we need to be better at this. I mean, most people I know that work in churches or ministries like want to be helping people more in whatever whatever that looks like. And so I think we're we're going in the right direction. And I think, you know, obviously talks like what you're doing is helpful. So I mean even in the mental health field, I know that there's people who are kind of working to integrate faith more, you know, and, and researching what that kind of looks like. And so um I would I would just encourage folks that there's a lot of people who are not taking sides because you don't need to take a side you know that there's ways that all of those work together really well and when we do that i think that's what's most beneficial and healthy for people and there's a lot of good people working in kind of those overlaps thank you that's that's really helpful i think you're right i think people can be put off by science or religion if they think it's a matter of having to choose one side or another so thank you for that tim yeah Since we like to focus on mental health and fictional characters, we thought maybe one way to kind of, before we conclude this conversation, we'd we'd hear about what you think about general representations and fiction of mental health and um, if you have any favorites or non-favorites. Yeah, I think in general, and this is, I, I know why, but in general it seems pretty bad and I guess just by that, I mean that in the same way that if you watch a TV show about doctors, it's a very bad, usually, portrayal of what doctors do, right? It's very dramatized. It's very, um, you know, you have to make it exciting. You have to make people want to watch it. And so I think the same thing happens with a lot of, of mental health things, a lot of mental illnesses. Uh, and I understand why, because you want to write a TV show that's captivating and dramatic. Uh, I think the ramifications are maybe a little a little worse for that because it contributes to stigma and things. You know, you never say, "Well, I'm not going to talk to you if you're a doctor," because 
all everything is so dramatic, you know. So I think the ramifications are a little different, but I think you know it tends to be a little more in that side. Like, how can we make this dramatic? Uh, and maybe even how how do we write about this without doing much research? You know, what do we, what is it that I already know based on other pop culture? So I think one of the interesting things that y'all's show does is talk about representations of mental health in pop culture that uh, maybe isn't explicitly about mental health. And I think that's a really cool way of looking at it. Uh, I think, you know, one of my favorite episodes of y'all's show was about Logan, where you talked about uh, the suicidality, you know, to, uh, Dr. Joyner's work. And I think that when you look at it through that lens, I think it's it's pretty, you know, believable and realistic, and it helps to understand some of those concepts. So I think some of the more realistic portrayals maybe aren't the ones that try to spell it out because then they're kind of making it a, a dramatic a plot point, and at that point you have to kind of over-dramatize it. But I think some of the more, you know, convincing or realistic portrayals or helpful portrayals aren't the ones that necessarily say, hey, here's what we're doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, and and really is, in a lot of ways, mirrors the mission of what I think we try to do on Jedi Council. Clarify something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. When the point is to kind of make something look realistic and pull in mental health factors, mm -hmm. that I think that's pretty compelling. What I think is more potentially damaging is when the plot point is look at this person doing this wacky thing what's mm -hmm. the explanation for it oh they have a mental health problem right right because that's both damaging and also just from a literary perspective which is not my area of expertise seems a little bit lazy like right, oh that's right. the thing that's explaining their behavior it's just that their mind is all weird like that's right. not that's not i don't know that's not super interesting to me yeah it's kind um, of a cop-out and, and yeah, that that's how I I feel from my perspective. Are there um favorite characters that you can think of that that strike this balance? You mentioned Logan, I think that's great. Are there any others? Um I think uh, this is going to be a little I don't know. Well, for listeners of your show it, it won't be probably, but I mean I think Rick and Morty is a really awesome, you know, there's I think the fact that it's not just you know, all one thing. It's not just spelled out, I think is awesome. I know uh, the three of us have talked some about Bojack Horseman, I think is a really good, a really interesting portrayal of uh, a lot of things. You know, he's pretty self-destructive. So you see some substance abuse things, you see, you know, kind of the way he hates himself. And, you know, I think uh, in the in the fourth season that came out recently, I think they didn't really hold anything back. There's one episode called, um, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about this on your show, but there's an episode called Stupid Piece of Shit that is, I think, like when I finished watching it, I just sat there for a bit because it was such a good portrayal of kind of the inner workings of his mind of kind of the way that his depression and anxiety manifested itself in his like negative thought patterns and things, which was, I thought, you know, for a, a show about a, cartoon guy with a horse for a body i mean I, I, it was you know <laughs> phenomenal so um i think again just in places where it's maybe unexpected they can get away with a little bit more of here's realistic portrayals because it's not kind of the goal of the plot to dramatize it yeah that's a great point i think that's a good distinction um like 13 Reasons Why, kind of the whole plot is surrounding this person's suicide, whereas BoJack Horseman, they're kind of, or Rick and Morty, they're doing these other things. And then right, right. it seems like, at least with Rick and Morty, that I don't know as much about BoJack Horseman, but intend to, but Rick and Morty, it seems like the creator's own experiences with therapy influence the way that some of those characters are depicted. And so I think that's another way that kind of lived experience can influence pop culture in ways that are positive and, and kind of 
I guess, destigmatizing mm-hmm. things. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's similar to what we talked about with kind of just sharing some of your own story because at that point, right, in, in Rick and Morty, it's these two guys who are going and having adventures and part of their character happens to be these other things. It's not, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to write, you know, a depressed character and everything's based around that which isn't necessarily the the experience that anybody has. You know, you have to go to work. You have to interact with family. Like, your goal in life isn't, hey, let me be the, the, the quirky, mentally ill person. Your goal in life is all these other things. And, and your experiences with a mental illness or whatever it is is part of that, but it's not, you know, the only thing. It's not your defining characteristic. That's such a great point. I mean, that there's one of the things is if you try to put people in a box of like they have a mental health problem that's all that they are it's mixing it's missing a lot of complexity and it's not realistic to the people who are going through it who are just trying to go grocery shopping and cook dinner and sleep at night and maintain their work while the other aspect to it is that they're struggling with these types of things so that's an excellent point so as we kind of move towards the end here, Robert, I want to first thank you just for being on our show and just say how much we both appreciate the, you know, your podcast, the writing that you do and, and your interaction on Twitter, I think is really fantastic. Well, thank you. I and appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate having you on. So what I'm wondering is when we're thinking about the intersection between Christianity and mental health, I mean, that's that's a broad topic, so maybe this is an unfair question right off the beginning, but is there any take-home messages or, or pearl of wisdom that you'd just like to leave people with uh, related to that topic? Um, I mean, it is broad, but I, again, I think it's just that there doesn't have to be an easy answer one way or the other. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we try to uh, kind of write off suffering in faith realms where we say, well, just pray about it more and everything will be fine, which, you know, anybody that has ever prayed in their life will tell you isn't the way it's not that easy you know and same with Mm -hmm. you know mental health things i think we think oh get like this one treatment and everything will be fine and that's not necessarily the case either so i think there's a lot of gray areas that uh, it's easy to kind of if you just dip your toe into either of those areas say oh it's all black or white here's the easy solutions and i don't think there's necessarily easy solutions in in either side and so I would say that there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of just how do we help people be more healthy, be more whole. And then however we can do that, you know, works. And so if it's, hey, I'm going to pray with you while driving you to the therapist's office, I think that's great. You know, I, I use this example a lot of if somebody walked into your church with a broken leg, you would say, Hey, oh my gosh, I'm going to like, maybe I will also pray for you. But in the meantime, like get in the car right now, we're going, you know? And so to treat mental health entirely as something different, it, it is counterintuitive to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, same with, you know, I see, you see people posting messages like, you know, oh, such and such, you know, God healed my brother through his surgery. Well, okay. So you're saying that, you know, whatever God you believe in can work through those people, but then when it comes to psychiatrists or counselors, for some reason, that's off limits. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so I would say if you're, if you're interested in kind of that overlap, just to think through, you know, what are the ways that we talk about these things that maybe don't make sense, don't line up with what we believe to be true in other areas, and then kind of evaluate that. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, I, any other closing thoughts, Katie or Robert? Other than that, I think we are uh, probably close to wrapping it up. Yeah, I just want to give um, Robert's 
information mm-hmm. out there for people who are interested in finding out more, and I highly recommend that. We'll link to some of his writing in our show notes, but also you can, I don't know, I said also that way, it sounded like, but <laughs> also, okay. also you can look at his podcast website, which is cxmhpodcast.com, his personal website, which is www.robert hyphenvor.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Robert Vore, R-O-B-E-R-T-V-O-R-E, and at C-X-M-H podcast, all one word. Yeah, and if you right. if you go to any of those, they'll link you to the rest of them, so no, don't scribble down notes or anything. Okay, <laughs> and we'll link to it in the show notes, too, just to make it easy. Uh, hey, thank <laughs> you guys right. for having me. It's truly an honor. I love the work that you guys do and our interactions on Twitter and the show and everything, so I, I do really appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. I think it's important that all of us in these fields work together to struggle through, like you said, some of these complex and gray areas yeah. to make it better for everyone, so thank you. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Thank you so much, Robert, and thanks so much for everyone who took the time to listen in. Uh, in the words of the, the wonderful Dr. Fraser Crane, uh, we'll wish you all good mental health. Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.